Welcome to the B-Ball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are talking about what makes up an average player in the NBA, because I feel like um, I talk to people all the time about these things where it's like, oh, you know, I really like this player. I like that player. Uh, you know, sometimes we get more granular than that, where it's like, you know, this guy's a really good shooter. You know, this guy's a really good passer, really good defender. And then it, it kind of dawned on me where I was like, wait a second, I don't, I, I think the, the problem with a lot of these conversations I'm having with people about basketball is we're not operating on the same scale, right? Like we are probably pretty close on who the top 10-ish, maybe top 20-ish players are for the most part. And we can probably all agree on players that don't seem to make much of an impact on the game or are pretty bad. And then there's a ton of players in the league, hundreds of players in the middle, and it's hard to find that center point. And I feel like Basketball Index, one of the best things it does is it um, really quick ballparks like, all right, these are the players at the very top. These are the players at the very bottom. And then like, these are a lot of the players in the middle. And then here are those players' strengths and weaknesses. So we're going to look at LeBron, which is our all-in-one impact metric, to help figure that out. Because I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, so how do you define an, an average NBA player? I was like, maybe something like scoring. Someone scores maybe 10 points a game. Like I remember like Derek Fisher in the late 2000s. I was like, this guy feels like pretty average. Like he's he's okay. He's not great. But, you know, hit some shots. And then I was like, all right, well, maybe um, new age stuff. Maybe... Uh, a neutral plus minus would be uh, a good way to look at it or um, how many minutes they're playing where it's like, all right, so we can look at it from a box score, uh, box score perspective. We can look at it from a data perspective. We can look at it from maybe a, a coaching or team fit perspective where it's like, I don't know if you're playing 22 minutes a game, may, maybe you are an average player, but we know all of those things can vary from team to team. So I went into the database and I was like, all right, who, who's making the most neutral impact? And it was very, very exciting. And I pulled three players, and I pulled one guard, one wing, and one big. And I kind of wanted to compare these three players to be like, all right, why does LeBron think these players are all average? So the first player we're going to take is Kyle Kuzma. And I don't think a lot of people would put him in the average category because he's still a fairly young player, but he's getting older. I think this is his age 26 season. Um, He was on the Lakers, so he was in the limelight a lot. And he is also a very toolsy player, right? Like he's tall, he can shoot the three some, he's a pretty good transition player, can finish around the basket. So you're like, okay, so this player can't be average. Like he has too many tools to be average. Uh, But then we look at the LeBron data and he's essentially a league average player this year. He's essentially average on offense and average on defense. Uh, And then we look at the box score. So he's playing 34 minutes a night. That's quite a bit. Averaging 17 points a game on the Wizards. And you're like, okay, that, that that's quite a few points. Nine rebounds, three assists. And it's like, okay, that's a solid box score. He's playing a ton. And uh, his plus minus, he's negative five on the season um, per 100 possessions. So minus five points. And that makes sense. I've watched a lot of coups over the years. And he is one of those guys where, you know, he'll... Uh, make a transition bucket that isn't exactly like he didn't create that. And then he, you know, might grab an offensive rebound because he is pretty tall crash from the three point line. And every once in a while, like he is, he'll put together a really good defensive possession where he'll utilize his length like really well. And then it's never really there. Like consistency was, is a big word that comes up with him. 
it's like, okay, so like in my mind, I was like, after seeing all that data, I was like, that that does all make sense because it is the tools mixed with almost the lack of impact because that's all LeBron really does. LeBron is basically how much do you move the needle and that's all it's really processing because it's not just like, the problem is with points. It's like he's scoring 17 points a game, which is good, but he's also playing 34 minutes a game. So it's it's almost like those things are correlated a little bit. If you play a ton, you're going to have a few more points and a few more rebounds. So the next player we're going to go to is Tim Hardaway Jr. He's a shooting guard on the Dallas Mavericks, and uh, he's always been a player I liked. I felt like uh, always shot the three uh, pretty well, and uh, I don't know, just kind of overall liked his game. And we go to the LeBron. Struggling a little bit this year. He is essentially a neutral player. He is. So LeBron basically works on how many points better or worse you are than league average. And then they do it on a per 100 possessions. And so the best players in the league, I think, are Jokic and Embiid. And they're right around seven points. So that's super, super high. And then I think some of the worst players in the league are like a, like a minus four this year, uh, which is really bad. And Tim Hardaway Jr. is... Uh, a negative 0.03, so like basically nothing. Uh, we go to the uh, offensive LeBron. He's a slight positive. Defensive LeBron, slight negative. And you're like, okay, so what does that box score look like? It's like, all right, he's playing 30 minutes a game, so like that's you know solid like starter six man minutes. Uh, 14 points a game, three little more than three rebounds a game, two assists. And it's like, okay, that's nothing to write home about. That kind of feels that feels more like an average player. Um, his efficiency's down this year. He's not shooting the three as well. And in plus minus per 100 possessions, he's a one. So it's like, okay, that, that feels like we're kind of honed in on that. Tim Hardaway is one of those guys where you see him uh, you see him shoot, and you're like, all right, this guy feels probably a little better than league average, and I think the name helps a little bit, you know? Uh, but then you, you start digging into it, and you look, you go season by season and everything. You get in the LeBron database, and you're like, okay, this says a, as a, I like this guy, but let's not have that cloud my judgment. And it's like, okay, so I could see how this guy's, you know, being a neutral player this year. So next, we're going to look at a big. We're going to look at Mason Plumley. This is another person I've talked about on the podcast. Uh, again, I, I do. I actually like all three of these players. I think that's why I grabbed them because I kind of wanted to try to take my bias out. You know, or it's like, hey, I, I know you, you prefer these players, but or or you enjoy watching them. But let's let's try to look at the data and let's try to be objective. So Plumley is again a very very slight negative in LeBron, but essentially nothing. It's it's one tenth of a point, uh, which is, is nothing. Uh, but what's different about him is he's a noticeably weaker player on offense. He's minus 1.5 points per 100 possessions, which is not very good. Um, and then, you know, you, you see the game and there's not, <laughs> they're, they're not playing through Mason Plumley in the post all of the time. Like, and he's not that dominant and bead like player. It's very evident. And then on defense, he pretty much makes almost all of it up. He's uh, about 1.4 points on defense of value. And you're like, okay, so that that's a different type of player. We've seen Kuz, who's essentially just kind of like right down the middle, where it's like he can play a little defense, a little offense, but it's kind of a wash all at the end. Hardaway, he you know leans towards his offensive game. And then we have Plumley, who's a big and is just an absolute hustle machine. <laughs> and uh, we'll go to the box score. So he's playing 25 minutes a night. That's that's a that's a bench player that that plays, you know, type minutes, uh, six points a game, uh, eight rebounds, and three assists. And you're like, okay, so we have all these guys with neutral impact, but we have Kuz playing 34 minutes a night, 
scoring 17 points a game. That looks way better. You see that in the box score, and you're like, that guy's helping. And then to someone that maybe has never seen Plumlee play, you're like, okay, 25 minutes, six points. Uh, you're big. You're not, getting, you're not even getting double-digit rebounds. Um, plus minus is one per 100 possessions. It's like, okay, this guy's not really moving the needle for the the, the team very much is, is what you could think. So, I don't know. I kind of wanted to kind of like dispel the myth of, of, of anything you could have going into this, where whether you're scoring points, uh, rebounds, assists, your plus minus, whatever it is, how much you're playing. But the problem is, it's, it's actually not a problem. It's something LeBron cuts through the stat where it's like, hey, how much is this person moving the needle per 100 possessions? And it's really hard to cheat that. That's the thing I like about the stats so much. It's like you can cheat the box score, right? Like we've seen players right before halftime, they wait that extra second to throw that half-court shot because they're worried about their shooting percentage. Or we've seen at the end of the game, when the game's over, someone runs down the court, gets a layup when they're down, I don't know, eight or nine points with under a minute left, you know, to pad those two extra points. Like you can cheat the box score. That's not that hard. But cheating uh, an impact metric that tracks everything like LeBron is much harder. And, and I think it's interesting when you would be like, hey, I want you to rank Kuz, Hardaway, and Plumley." And I think if you had people do that, you would get different rankings, right? And then if you like, you know, behind this door, is they're actually all kind of the same in impact. Um, I think people... <laughs> They don't like to be tricked. But then they'd be like, wait, hold on, though. Hold on. There's a difference between skill set and impact. And I very much agree. Because while I was doing this episode, I think that moving the needle um, idea is is really good for LeBron, right? But we also understand that, like, it's going to be really hard to make up a team where everyone's moving the needle positively, right? Because all the other teams are trying to get those players as well. So we have skill set versus impact. And I think I grabbed two uh, really good examples of this. So we're going to talk about now Matisse Thibel and Luke Kennard. These are two players that are pretty much league average as well. Thibel's, he's worth a negative a third of a point, which is not a lot. And then Luke Kennard is essentially a league average player. So let's start with Thibel. He's an extreme defense player, right? So on offense, he's almost worth negative uh, 1.8 points. Uh, that's not very good. Uh, and then on defense, he he makes almost all that value up, which is insane value for a perimeter defender. LeBron's about 1.5. And he's someone that fits, I think, on a playoff roster really well. Because if you're a bad team and you don't have any offense, it's hard. You're, you're basically trying to shuffle the, the lineup to get as many points on the court as possible. But when you're a high-end team, scoring those points aren't very hard. Like when now when you're the Sixers and you have James Harden and you have Embiid, like points are not the most difficult thing to come by. And then you dig deeper into what Thibel's uh, kind of profile is made up of. He has an F in our three-point shot making, which is your three-point percentage taken into context of opportunity. He has an F at getting to the rim. Uh, so he really... Doesn't create for himself that way. He has a, a really low playmaking uh, creation stat. So it's like he's not doing a lot for other people. He's not making three-pointers. But he basically has an A-plus in every single one of our perimeter defensive stats, which is insane, like absolutely insane. Like he's in the running for the best perimeter defender in the league. And on a playoff team, I think something like that's really valuable because when you have 
James Harden and Embiid, it's like, okay, well, we need some guys to do some other things than just score. Because if you just have five guys that can score on the court, like that's not always the recipe for success. Uh, let's look at the other extreme. We're going to look at extreme three-point shooting now. Luke Kennard on the Clippers. Again, he is a neutral player in LeBron, pretty neutral on offense and pretty neutral on defense. And you say, wait, hold on a second. That doesn't make any sense. This guy is an elite three-point shooter, shooting 44% from three on the year. And uh, to do you one better than that, we have our perimeter shooting grade, which takes into context uh, how many shots you're making, what your shot creation is, what your shot quality is, and he is the ninth best three-point shooter in the league. The guys ahead of him are like Steph Curry and Trey, where their three-point percentage is, is lower, but it's because they're doing more work, if that makes sense. And Luke Kennard is just, he, he does create a little, he, he moves around a lot and uh, does things off screen and has some creation himself, but he is just an elite catch-and-shoot player. He's the seventh best uh, when it comes to Catching to three-point percentage at 46%, which is just absolutely blistering. I know sometimes those like catch-and-shoot numbers are hard to contextualize because we're not used to hearing those numbers, but he's seventh in the entire NBA, so you know he's right at the top. Uh, and then you look at him, and you'd say, well, I don't understand. How, is he not have a, how does he not have a huge uh, offensive LeBron number? And it's like, it's the same thing with Thibault. He has an F at getting to the rim. He has an F at finishing at the rim. He doesn't really create much for others. So as a needle mover, like we look at the guy at the top who's Joker, who he moves the offense because, yes, he does score efficiently. He can shoot the three. He's one of the best post players I've ever seen. But what really moves that needle in just an insane way is the playmaking, the passing, the volume, the quality of it is just off the charts. And with Kennard, yes, the three-point shooting is really, really good, but he's kind of a specialist and where that's really what he's bringing to the table. And then defensively, you know, not a great on-ball guy, but solid off-ball, which, you know, equals out to kind of a neutral defender. So basically the point of this podcast is there's a lot of ways to get to a quote-unquote league average player, but you start to realize skill set versus impact like when we go a layer deeper uh these things do matter where another guy that comes to mind is alex caruso where i'm not exactly sure where he is on the main lebron uh, ladder but he's getting almost all of his his impact on defense and not a whole lot on offense and then you see how that fits into a playoff roster or a pj tucker with the bucks last year they pick him up he's giving all of his impact on defense and he only stands in the corner and shoots threes on offense uh and i, I don't know i think this is a really good kind of start to a conversation of it doesn't just have to be the box score discussions we had in the 80s 90s and 2000s right where it's like hey is this guy scoring single digit points he's a nobody this guy scoring double digit points, especially 20 plus, this is who we got to look at. Because we look at a guy like Kuz, he's playing 34 minutes a night, 17 points a game, and you're like, automatically, that sets off certain things in your brain. And it's like, well, hold on. And on an impact level, like Kuz, it doesn't do much in the creation department either, where it's like he is there to finish plays. Where it's like, I think he, he can be a really useful player. He can space the floor. He can hit corner threes. He can hit wing threes. I think he's a, he's a, I like him a lot in transition because of his size. Um, but he is not someone where you're going to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to run Kuz isolation here uh, 
six plays in a row here in the third quarter. It's just not great offense. Um, but yeah, so to keep this podcast from going too long, I kind of wanted to talk about what we kind of have set the barometer for in our head of what an average player is. And then on top of that, we need to be able to separate out skill set versus impact because you're never going to have an all-star team. Like it's not the eighties anymore. The league's too big. Uh, the salary cap works in certain ways now where it's like, you need to find these guys that give you value at the margins. And I think if you get into the LeBron database, you can start to see how things are working in the league where it's like, you start to look at the uh, role players on the good teams and you're like, okay, what are these guys doing? And then you, you zoom out from there. And uh, I think, you know, the Clippers, haven't been amazing this year, but you know, even their two best players back for the whole season, they're right there at the top. And then the Sixers, obviously a good team uh, with Fiebel. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week on the basketball index podcast next week. I don't know what we're talking about yet. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Grizzlies tape, so it could be kind of a check-in on them. I've, I've enjoyed kind of going around the league, but watching the tape does take uh, quite a bit of time because yes, you can go into the database and you can learn a lot. And I, I love the, the BBI database. Um, but you know, the, the tape watching is still got to be there and that does take a long time. So uh, we'll see you next week here on the Basketball Index podcast.